The Low Post is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. And now, The Low Post. Welcome in, everybody, to a joint Low Post Woj Pod Zoom event, whatever this is. Apparently, this is how we do things now, where I am lucky enough to be joined by ESPN Insider Adrian Wojnarowski, and lucky enough to be joined by hundreds of you, people who I can't see, but I assume you're all very nice, handsome, gorgeous-looking people. Woj, we have made it through an improbable and a little bit crazy and a little bit constrained, a little bit stressful NBA season. The play-in tournament is here. The playoffs will be here soon. Mm -hmm. It all went by kind of in a blink, but it's time to sort of sit back and take stock. Again, thanks, everybody, for joining. Woj, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And, you know, for as great as I know everybody looks out there, they don't look better than me in my, my fast food headset that you look like I'm you're wearing. Colin plays red, yeah, red X 49. X well, red, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Like I can never figure out how to get the iPods or the, the AirPods to work in this. And so it always comes back to this. Usually there's not video, but I'm exposed here with this, but, uh, it's great to be here. It's great to be here with everybody. And, uh, yeah, it's been uh, 72 games, play-in tournament around the corner, and then the playoffs, and then a sprint into the draft and free agency. And then maybe on the other side of that, we get back to a, a more normal calendar and then uh, uh, an NBA season that that hopefully includes a lot of fans in the stands. And uh, and we're, we're all back on track, but there's a lot of hoops between between now and then. Yeah, I hope everyone out there is healthy, staying safe, and doing all the things they're supposed to do. Let's start with the play-in, which has been sort of the simmering story of the season, even though it took really until the last two or three weeks for, I think, every fan to realize, whoa, well, this is a thing, like the race for six, then the Lakers might be in the play-in, so here's the play-in universe. In the East, Boston, Washington, 7-8, win and you're in. You're number seven, you face the Brooklyn Nets. Lose and you face the winner of Indiana, Charlotte, and then the winner of that, gets the eighth seed, and they get to face the Philadelphia 76ers, for whom, by the way, the bracket broke absolutely Oof. perfectly. The Sixers have no excuse other than some injury that we hope doesn't happen to not make their first conference finals in quite a while. In the West, well, the Spurs and the Grizzlies are playing a basketball game. Tonight, <laughs> but the, the, the game of the year so far is tomorrow – or I'm sorry, Wednesday – uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern, the Lakers and the Warriors, the winner gets the seventh seed. The loser is precariously one game away from elimination. One of the absolute apex superstars of the league will be one game away from playoff elimination. LeBron James and the Lakers against Steph Curry and the Warriors. I'm just curious, Woj, now that we're here and now that, you know, if you look at it from sort of a, a callous business perspective, it's a home run that we get the most star-studded play-in game possible. And there's also some big downside risk of a marquee name missing the playoffs entirely. I'm wondering, when you talk to people around the league, when yeah. you talk to people in the NBA league offices, when you talk to people in the players' union, as I do too, what, what is the temperature take as we, as we enter the first year of this? Is it popular? Is it unpopular? Do we think it's going to be a part of the NBA going forward? I do think it's going to be a part of the NBA going forward. And I think the, we can talk about this too. You know, the thing that this was always coupled with pre pandemic was play in tournament, mid season tournament. And they, they, they put the mid season on ice, but we're going to hear about that again, maybe not next season. Uh, but, but in the future, when it, when the league maybe feels it's back on track uh, calendar wise, I think the league office is as committed as ever to this. There, I don't think there's any turning back from their point of view. And, and back when they had to do the vote, they had to do some pushing with some organizations, some teams. Uh, but I think it's still, there's a lot of enthusiasm for it. I think we'll see how it plays out this week. You know, that the Lakers, having the Lakers and Warriors here, what, what I do think the part of the play-in was there for too, was to be a safety net. Let's say in a season, let's say the Lakers injuries were kept star players out longer. And, and, they're, and they're ninth, right? They're, they're ninth, ninth. Yeah. Or they're ninth or they're 10th. It was a safety net for a team that got decimated by injuries to be able to still be in there. That was it. Now, when they're at seven or eight, you don't feel as good about it because you, you risk losing them. But uh, 
I think that game, listen, that warrior Laker game is going to probably be as highly rated of a game as, as we've had this season. I'll be curious how it stacks up to other playoff games later in the postseason. Uh, I think there's a lot of, gr- there's more grumbling about the play in this year because of the condensed schedule right. and that it forced teams. And Mark Cuban said this at the time when he first raised it after, you know, not coincidentally after the day Luka Doncic had complained about it, but teams did agree with the idea that we've got this condensed schedule. We are grinding through this thing and the fear of the play in or trying to avoid it. We're running our guys into the ground. We're worried about the toll it is taking on our players in another season in an 82 game schedule. um, It, it may or may not have, that impact, but, but in the sprint that was this condensed season. And then the second half of the year where teams like Washington, Memphis were playing even more games because of the postponements, they worried about the toll it took on guys. And so that's been the complaint about it, Zach, but I think it's here to stay. And I think this is a league that knows it needs to put some juice into its calendar, into its regular season. Um, and, They've got to add, they've had to add some elements and then we'll see what happens with that midseason tournament. But I, I don't think we're going to just go back to what had been a cookie cutter 82 game schedule and then, and then one through eight in each conference. I, I think those days are gone. I think I'm, I'm glad you brought up the wizards because to me, when the league wants to prove its case, if they need to prove their case. And by the way, they got thrown into the fire right away with the best player in the world and the marquee name in the NBA saying that Evan Wash, the guy who created the play in tournament should be fired. So it's like, man, when LeBron talks, people listen. And so they got, they got, they didn't just get, you know, minor players criticizing it. They got the guy and they they're standing by it. To me, the wizards are, are the best, maybe the best story of the last 40 games of the season and proof positive of why I think this is a good idea. Think about what we don't get if the Wizards don't think they have something to play for. We don't get what Russell Westbrook just did for the last 30 or 40 games. We don't get drama on the last days. The Wizards are only four games under 500. Think of how deep in a hole they were. They couldn't practice for two weeks. The virus and the protocols completely broke their team. And for them to tough it out like this, and I also credit the Grizzlies who had a big-time backloaded schedule and mm-hmm. kept on winning, finished four games over 500. But the Wizards... That's that they are the poster team for me for why I mean the play in I love the play in I actually don't really get any of the criticism of the play in I have yet to read any coaching argument that makes any point that resonates with me at all about why the play in would allegedly be a bad idea but if there's a team to point to it's the Wizards and by the way I just said the bracket broke great for Philly blah blah if they somehow ended up playing Washington that's at least a fun series people are excited to tune into that series and see those two guards and what they can do against Philly yeah, and I, I I wish Bradley Beal was a hundred percent. He I give him so much credit for what he did with the team. They had a four percent chance of getting in the play-in on April, early April, before wow. they started that run. A four percent chance of getting in. And a lot of stars of his stature, when it was not going well, we see it a lot. It could be look what's around me. Look, look, look at who I'm playing with. Um, I got to get some help here. And he had a couple nights. There were a couple nights where you could see the frustration and he didn't, he didn't look like himself on the bench, but he snapped out of it quick. And all this guy did was, and I respect this so much about Beal. He understands what it means to be a franchise player, not just when it's going great, but when it's not going well. And that part of your responsibility, all of your responsibility is to lift up the group and when the trade deadline was coming and everybody was trying to put Bradley Beal all over the league, is he like, what about this team and this team? He would hear none of it. All he talked about within that Wizards organization was, how can we get this turned around? What do you need from me? Let's get some guys healthy, get some guys back. You know, we forget about Thomas Bryant, who had such a good season last year. I actually forgot about Thomas Bryant. You right? just said his name, and I was like, wow, they have so many centers that they already played three centers. I forgot about Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant, up who, right now. Right, who signed that extension and, and, and you know, had that knee injury very early in the season, and you lose him for the year. And he was such a – you just saw him growing, you know, a really good wizard success development story. Hadn't had a lot of those before Tommy Shepard had taken over as GM, and I thought that was one of them. And, and yet – 
he just has pushed through this thing and then Russ got healthy. I mean, remember the first three weeks after the wall Westbrook trade? Zach, it was, oh, boy, the the, the Rockets won this trade, right? Like you I mean, were hearing it was, that. It was, it was longer than three weeks. I it mean, was Russ a while. For the, and, Russ for the first 25 plus games of the season was kind of a rough watch. And, it was and, hard. And you, yeah. and you wondered – Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Is is this is this the way it's going to end? And then you know, he obviously turned it around and got healthy. Yeah, and so I think for Beal, I, I just he has handled this like you you just would hope. And but it's been everything he's been about in Washington. It was when he signed the extension a couple of years ago, and we talked. I remember sitting down and talking to him on the podcast about that and about wanting to see it through there. And you know, that's going to be a conversation for another day about what's next for him, but. He is really, he is playing hurt right now. You could see him, the way he was laboring, that he scored 25 points yesterday. The way he was moving on the court, I thought was remarkable. You know, his game is so much now cutting and slashing. He came into the league as a as a, as a jump shooter, and now his game, uh, you know, he's at the rim, and he was really fighting it, and I think he's going to be fighting it in Boston. I I, he doesn't have the time here to get well. Maybe they can steal a win here and get in. In a, in a best of seven, I, I, I worry that he's not going to be able to – well, we'll see, but but he may not. Those hamstrings are difficult. You, you need an offseason sometimes to get them right. But but just a great deal of respect for how they've handled it, fought back. And you're right, Zach. They are a uh, – they're a testament to why this play-in has value. They're going to be one of the things the league will point to. And you said what they went through with COVID and the way it hit that team um, was unlike any other team in the league. Yeah, I had Beal third team All NBA. It's the second time in three years I've had him All NBA. And I and I said I wrote today. I think Curry might be the only guy in the league who, when he has when he catches the ball coming off a screen, has more bodies and limbs in his face. I mean, Brad Beal is often out there as the only shooter on the team. And Howell Neto has actually kind of had a sneakily good year for them. So you can count him as a shooter, I guess. But the the amount of attention he's dealing with and for him to navigate that and get 31 a night is really good. And, and by the way, if the Lakers lose, if the Lakers somehow don't make the playoffs, there will be renewed calls. There were already preemptive calls from people in the media that I saw saying, well, if, if the Lakers miss the playoffs, some heads might fall for this. I completely disagree. If you... If you are so weakly committed to an idea that in year one, the wrong team misses the playoffs and you're like, you know what, we can't do it, then you never cared about the idea to begin with. It reminds me of firing a coach if you make if you miss the playoffs, but you miss by one game on like a buzzer beater or something, all of a sudden that coach is not the coach for you. The NBA is committed to the idea. If the Lakers flame out, they should still be committed to the idea. They should not cave. It's, it's a good idea. Let's talk for a couple minutes, if you want, about the marquee matchup, which is Lakers-Warriors on Wednesday night. And I agree with you. I, I don't even know what the ratings will be. Like, if you told me they'll be on par with a finals game, I, I wouldn't. I mean, the 10 p.m. start is a bit of a disadvantage. But I, I this, this does – I was watching film of the Lakers and Warriors regular season matchups today. And then you think back at the history between LeBron and Curry. And now they, they've played in four finals, and now they're playing in this – literally unprecedented event and it does have the feel of a game seven when you're watching the Mm -hmm. film you're thinking about matchups you're thinking well will they just play lebron 46 minutes if he if he can do it will lebron try to pick on curry every single possession like we've seen him do in in so many finals matchups i think it's a really fun matchup and I, i i think the lakers would probably be my pick to win um but i will say this if you look at the warriors numbers when they have steph and Draymond on the floor. Yes. Without they, they are something like I have it here. Seventy somewhere. and thirty something, right? Well, no. In, in just this season, when oh, Steph this, I was talking career playoff games, it's a crazy number. Just those two, yeah. With Steph and Draymond on the floor this season, and no Wiseman, and there's no shot at Wiseman. He's a rookie center. There, his injury changed their season. They've been much better since he got injured. Yeah. It's, it's just that's the life of a rookie center. They're plus eleven and a half per one hundred possessions with those two on the floor and no Wiseman. Like. That's a really, they're not, it's not just Steph's magic and a bunch of nobodies. Like that's a good team. I think what, what intrigues you about this matchup? It's, it's, it's exactly that is, listen, I don't think either of us probably believe the Warriors. Well, I don't. 
the Warriors in a best of seven are nearly as dangerous against a Utah or a Phoenix as the Lakers are. The Lakers. Would you want to watch that game with the Jazz? What an assignment that would be if you could somehow embed with the Jazz. Watch. I guess no one watches anything as a group, but I would love to yeah. be with some Jazz people on Wednesday night. Oh yeah, and I, but I just think that. Listen, Steph and Draymond, there is just such. They have done so much winning together, and the pieces. Listen, they've had some amazing players around them in a lot of these playoff wins, from Clay Thompson to Kevin Durant, certainly. Uh, but those two have been the constants, and in a big game and in big moments, they rise and they keep their poise, and um, they know how to. Do, and especially in this very short, um, in, in a winner go almost a winner go home, uh, a winner you're almost going home uh, game. Uh, they're just super dangerous. We, we've, they're super dangerous. We've seen it with Steph and the Lakers are just, if the Lakers get out and play, whether they're playing Phoenix, Utah, you're going to believe they can win any series. And that's why everyone's trying to, everyone was trying to duck them. But uh, I think this is going to be great theater and Steph, listen, we know what that can look like. And he just almost always rises to the moment. And so the Lakers are going to have to be playing at a really high level to knock these guys out. I still would take the Lakers in that game at home, but uh, you know, the idea of all of a sudden the Lakers being in a, in, in a scenario where they could, you know, then they have to win the, you know, whether it's Memphis or, or the Spurs. Defcon like, one. Yeah. And, and for the league, listen, we know what it means for the league to have, the Lakers in the postseason and to have LeBron and the Lakers out the two biggest draws. I don't know. There, there might be numbers to dispute this, the sense that I always got. And I, I really don't, I don't know. Nobody ever shows me ratings at ESPN. I don't see them. I read about them. I see them somewhere else, but my sense was always the two guys who really drive ratings and drive interest are LeBron James and Steph Curry. And then everybody else is trailing those two though. Those two have been the constants. Uh, so having them in that, in that game is, is, uh, 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 pretty remarkable stuff. It's hard to pick against LeBron in a win-one game scenario, given the way he can just control the cadence of the game, the pace of it. It's almost like he bends the the whole structure of the game to the way he wants it to be. And obviously, Steph and Draymond live kind of in chaos, right? They want it to be fast. They want it to be in, in transition. And they they play so beautifully together. I mean, they have a chemistry. Their, their chemistry together is sort of why we even watch basketball. It's just the, what they've developed over the years. I think you have the Lakers. Will they try to bludgeon the Warriors with size or will they have to downsize and play AD at the the five, which they've rarely done. I think it's going to be a really fun matchup. And we'll talk about some of the other um, play and matchups a little later in a different context. And uh, we'll discuss the actual playoff matchups next, but first uh, it's time for some straight talk. Sure. Saving money feels good, but cutting your wireless bill in half. Yeah. Half that feels really good. Like walk off home run in the ninth inning. Good. Okay. Maybe not that good, but pretty darn good with straight talk. You can get 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month. It's a good deal. Up to 50% less than the other guys, plus no contract. You're like a perpetual free agent. All on America's best networks. Why pay a whole lot when you can pay half? Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. All right. Let's talk about some of the playoff matchups that have actually been set. We have four playoff series that have already been set. We're awaiting the other four with the play-in tournament. So, Woj, I will leave it to you to pick whichever one you want to start with. We have Bucks Heat as the Bucks visit the ghosts of Bubbles Past. We have Blazers Nuggets, the Nurkic-Jokic Bowl, obviously missing a critical player in Jamal Murray and some other critical players too for the Nuggets. Hawks-Knicks, just two teams that are absolutely yep. lethal to be in the 4-5 series and do have drawn each other. <laughs> and uh, and a rematch of Lakers, uh, I'm sorry, Clippers-Mavericks. Uh, pick one, you can start us off. Well, you know what's like, I want to start with that Knicks- Hawk series in this context. And I had another GM say this, say this to me the other day, the Knicks might not believe this and maybe the Hawks too. One of them obviously is going to advance and go to the second round. And it's going to feel very ahead of schedule of where they thought they were. Now the Hawks had upgraded in the off season and thought certainly, Hey, we're a playoff team. And, and they brought in a lot of talent. Trey Young's a star. Um, I think whichever one of them wins and advances, and I know they don't want to look at it now and your fans don't want to look at it like that. Now you just want to win. And who knows when you get back, 
but it's going to accelerate expectations for those teams moving forward. And because both of them, like you said, would just have been happy that they were in the postseason. Maybe they'd be a lower, uh, a lower seed who'd lose in the first round. Obviously one of them is going to advance, but the, the two series to me that are most compelling, I think uh, the four five in the East Milwaukee and Philly, and then uh, Denver and Portland, the three, six in the West. And I think Milwaukee's mindset about wanting to really go right at uh, Miami, they, they, they had a chance to kind of try to duck that over the weekend. They didn't. Um, and their mindset wasn't, Hey, we're, we're trying to play him, but we're not trying to avoid him. And, and it starts with Giannis who likes to go through things and likes to go through people. The fact that they lost to them, it makes him last year, makes him more determined to, okay, if that's who's in front of us, let's go play him. I remember in the bubble last year, Zach, and I remember there was a lot of confidence around that Miami team when they saw Milwaukee in the second round waiting for them. And they were very confident that they matched up with them. And by the way, you know they're going to walk out again this time around snarling, looking mm-hmm. across the court and saying, we, we, ha- we think we have your number. Yeah, and now you have this Bucks team that built itself – they hope better for the postseason that, you know, we didn't win the, we, you know, we're not the number one seed. We weren't, uh, we built a team that we thought would have some more offensive capabilities, some more shot making beyond Giannis, or some scoring around beyond Giannis and Chris Middleton. And, and you chronicled this a lot during the season, Zach, defensively doing things differently. And then, but you've seen, you've seen their efficiency go up as the year's gone on. I think they've believed we can, we can scheme and game plan in the postseason. We got a we got a great coaching staff and, and smart veteran players, but we've got to be able to do more offensively to advance in the playoffs. That's been their plan. There's a lot of pressure on Mike Budenholzer in this postseason to advance. Uh, but I think that that series is going to be really, really compelling, physical, tough, um, I, I can't wait for it. Yeah, there was a moment a few weeks ago where it looked like the Nets were going to have to go heat Bucks Sixers to get out of the East, and everyone sort of said, "Oh my God, what a what a tough road!" And now it's the Bucks that have that that same mm-hmm. road, basically of Heat Nets Sixers. Um, I mean, Zach, and- Zach, what do you think about this Milwaukee team? How it's evolved? How it might look different in the playoffs than it did last year? I think they're definitely better equipped to be a postseason team, just because if you look at who, who are you closing with when it matters, right? And, and I think last year it was Middleton, Giannis, and three open slots depending on, you know, who's hot that night or who's not cold that night or what, whether Brooke Lopez can hang in the, this matchup defensively. Now you've got a third elite player to put in Penn there, Andrew Holiday, who I thought was their second best player of the season. I thought he was a borderline all-NBA candidate uh, and a guy who can get buckets, you know, from nothing. When, when things are bogged down, he can just sort of bully ball his way to the rim and get something going for you. And obviously defensively, he's a monster. I'm a little surprised that we didn't see more of PJ Tucker at the five or Giannis at the five, whoever you want to say is the five in those lineups and, 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 you know, four other really good perimeter players. I think we'll see more of that in the playoffs, but I will say, you know, this is a team that, like you said, tried a whole bunch of new stuff, switching, switching some things, but not everything switching sometimes, but not with Lopez switching here and there and whatever, that's hard. That's hard to do. And I think the playoffs are really, really hard. And they're, they are going right off the bat with Miami, who's tough as nails, completely confident in their own identity, completely comfortable in their own skin. The Bucks are going to have moments where it's – they feel, do we trust this new stuff? Do we trust ourselves to execute it correctly? Do we trust that it's right for this matchup? Do we want to fall back on what's comfortable? They're going to have they're going to have moments of truth pretty early on. It's going to be fascinating to see um, how they respond. I, I'm with you. I think um, Hawks Knicks is just a whole lot of fun. And yeah. to, let's we can pivot there for just a couple of minutes. Uh, the Knicks swept that series. Julius Randle went bananas in every game, um, and I think it, it's going to be interesting to see. How, who, who the Hawks used to defend Randall? Is it Capella? Mm-hmm. Is it Collins? Is it DeAndre Hunter? If it is DeAndre Hunter, is he starting? Well, if he's starting, who? what's their starting five? Has it played more than a token amount of minutes all season? 
and and we get our first playoff Trey Young, right? And for years now, everyone has said, well, wait till Trey Young gets to the playoffs because if you think teams hunt Steph Curry on defense, wait till Trey Young finds out what's waiting for him in the playoffs. The Knicks are not super well equipped to play that kind of way, although Randall can do it a little bit. I'm really interested to see how those two teams sort of shake out. And it's it's just it's fun to have new blood and, and new storylines. Yeah, just getting playoff basketball back in the garden is going to be, uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to, it's going to be, you know, you know, a few more fans in the arena and uh, they're, they're just like both teams. I think both teams have like, you've just seen such tremendous growth guys getting better. Nate McMillan's done a great job since he took over uh, mid season uh, for them. And um, uh, yeah, I think that's, you're right. That That's a fun series. I don't think a lot of pressure, on either team, I think they're both a little bit of house money. Uh, that doesn't mean they're not going to compete at a high level, but I think, um, you know, that's certainly going to be one that, um, you know, that the, especially the Knicks, there's just something about this role they're on this year and that how that team has come together, the kind of year Julius Randle is having. And, and um, you know, they're, um, they're going to be, they're going to be tough for Atlanta. I think, I think Atlanta is better and the Knicks might be a little bit tougher. Yeah. And, and I think it will be interesting to see how – I mean, not that Atlanta's not tough. Like, look at what Clint Capella's doing. I'm, I'm getting yeah. tired watching Clint Capella get rebounds every game. But the Knicks are just so rugged and physical and flying around on defense, and, and it's been f- fantastic. I know yeah. you wanted to talk for a couple minutes about Blazers Nuggets. I agree that that's a compelling 3-6 uh, series in the West. And look, I don't know what Vegas is going to make that series, but without Murray and maybe without Barton and maybe with Monty Morris on a minutes restriction and maybe without PJ Dozier and on and on with the Nuggets mash unit, Portland's starting five since they got Powell has been elite. Their defense with Nurkic on the floor has been very good. If they can get any stability from their bench, which is now pretty thin, I think the Blazers have a chance in that series. And you know as well as I do, there's been buzz about, well, if they flame out in the playoffs this year, is this a coaching change possibility is, is there other change on the horizon and to their credit of Terry Stotts and the Blazers and the team, Neil Olshay put together, they just keep winning. Like that noise is there. And now they're, they won 42 games and I think they have a chance to win this series. Yeah. And you think back, listen, everybody dealt with something this year, but CJ McCollum was having his best season when he went out with a foot injury and was gone for month plus five, six weeks and has picked back up. But I think for the Blazers, this is a good matchup, especially when you consider that if it was the Lakers or the Clippers, the Lakers and Clippers defensively can take a lot away from Portland. Denver's not going to necessarily take a lot away from them. I think like they're going to be able to score on Portland. They're going to be able to score on Denver. Jokic is Jokic, and and Michael Porter has with an increased role with Murray out, he's becoming what we all imagined he would be. Big series for him because Portland's kryptonite, and I think one of the reasons they would not have been excited about a Clippers series are big shooting wings, wings big yeah. ISO wings, and he's got a chance to just shoot over Norm Powell, shoot over Covington, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, – listen, Denver is – you said it with with Jamal Murray. You know, if he's, he's playing, we're having a different conversation about what we think this Denver ceiling is. But, I, you know, you, you kind of felt Denver, they have enough to get out of the first round. They have enough Absol- to win a first absolutely. round series. Yeah, I, I, I want to make clear. I have yeah. so much respect for the Nuggets. Oh, it's incredible, right? But but They're- second, it's it's when all of a sudden now you face, you know, the second round, the conference semifinals in the West for them will be, that's you're, you're going to feel like you're going to miss Murray more. That doesn't mean they can't lose this series. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think, you know, Dame and CJ, and, and they kind of just, just listen, the, the Norman Powell trade, Neil O'Shea made the Norman Powell trade at the deadline. And he just kind of said, listen, our, we're, I'm going to double down on what our strength is, which is great, great guard play. And they're tough to match up with. And those guys can, um, you know, Nurkic, uh, what this series also allows, as opposed to say an L, um, an LA or a Clipper, it allows the uh, Clippers it allows Nurkic to be on the floor. It allows them to play Cantor and Nurkic. They can play them against Denver. They can play their size. There's other series um, where they, they, that's going to be really hard for them to play those guys. They can play them in this series. And I think that helps Portland too. Yeah. Jokic's three point shooting will be a bellwether for me in this series. When he, when he's making a decent clip of his threes on good volume 
and forcing Nurkic to really run him off the arc. And that opens up his pump and go and pass game. He becomes really, really even more tough than usual. And the Nuggets have proven tenfold now their toughness and their resiliency. We don't necessarily think of them as a tough team, but the 3-1 comebacks, oh. the the um, the way they responded to Murray's injury, which is just an absolute heartbreaker this season. You know, I don't know what they finished, but at one point they were 11-4 and after Murray's injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a credit to the players. It's a credit to Mike Malone, who has sort of imbued them with a, a toughness and a resiliency. They don't make excuses. They're not going to whine about injuries. Um, did they try to win the last game of the regular season? Not necessarily. <laughs> um, but but they are not going to just think of themselves as some sort of plucky underdog here. Yeah. Like to me, like Mike Malone was like the new Rudy T in the bubble. Right. He was like the new Rudy T. Like his team's coming back from the brink and, you know, they exuded his persona and you know, Jokic, what Tim Connolly told me this year about Jokic after the injuries was that his leadership was such he was he was really elevating their role players because he was essentially telling them, guys, I believe I believe we can do this. And if I believe it, you should believe it. And that that really impacted their team. And he is an in incredible condition. It's no accident. He played 72 games this season. Uh, I think he told Rachel Nichols in an interview like he was drinking a gallon of Coke a day. Oh, he had some gross, right? gross habits. Yeah. And so, <laughs> but then Tim Connolly <laughs> says, Nicola. right, game ends. He's in the weight room. He's lifting. He's just, and so that shows. And, and, um, and, and Michael Porter has been, you know, terrific. And you've seen growth all over the court. And then Austin Rivers comes in and has made an impact and filled some gaps for them um, with, with the injuries and, and losing some guys in the backcourt. You know, they're, you know, hopeful they can get Will Barton back in the playoffs. That would certainly be important. Another, player who came into the league in Portland and had some right. su- had success there. He came in the, he was in Nurkic, Nurkic. He was in the Nurkic trade, right? Will Barton was part of that trade, right? Nurkic for. No, no that was a Barton, Barton to follow. Uh, Barton, Barton to follow. follow. That's right. That was another one. That was, there you go. So anyway, uh, that's a fun series. That might be like the NBA TV series, uh, but. Uh, There's always one. There's always got to be one NBA TV. Well, usually it's the Raptors right now that we have no Raptors. Usually they would put the, they would put poor Toronto. Not that there's nothing wrong with playing an NBA TV, but it's obviously, you you know, in the first round, you're sort of, I think the Pacers have ended up. Yeah. I was going to say the Pacers, I felt like every year were the NBA TV series. Apologies to all the fans in Indianapolis. It's just true. It's just a true thing. Um, All right, people, it's always streaming season on ESPN plus. Stream thousands of live events, exclusive originals, the full 30 for 30 library, which is chock full of good stuff, plus premium articles from NBA experts like Ramona Shelburne, Momo, Brian Windhorst, and us, Woj and I. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All right, let's pivot to the off season, which is everybody's favorite NBA season, to be right. frank. Um, let's do uh, some rapid fire. You want to do some rapid fire? Woj? Let's, let's do some rapid fire. Throw some out here. Lonzo Ball, Go. Restricted free agency, the Bulls, there's a lot of interest there. 
that deal could have happened at the trade deadline. I think Lori Markkinen, if Chicago is willing to maybe do more with draft, throwing a pick in, that deal might have happened then, but they had done the deal with Orlando. They had sent picks off in that, and they knew they had cap space. They knew they had the summer. Um, but there'll be teams, you know, the point guard position, like let's say we've got Chicago and we've got New York and we've got point guards and uh, we have a restricted point, a restricted free agent and Lonzo Ball. We have an unrestricted free agent and Dennis Schroeder potentially with the Lakers. And so, uh, you know, those and, and Spencer Dinwiddie, who, who is still out there, uh, again, another right. uh, very likely be will be a free agent coming off the surgery. He's been working out. He's been back. He's back on the court. And so, uh, but I think ball in Chicago will be an interesting one to watch and it'll be interesting to see what new Orleans does and, and, and how they structure, how they want to structure their payroll, how far they're willing to go on matching an offer sheet. Do they want to match it at all? Uh, but I think Lonzo will get a pretty good number. I think if um, uh, whether it's Chicago um, whether it's New York and, and, you know, some other places that may still, you know, some other places with younger point guards who might want to bring in a little more of a veteran. I, you just don't know if new Orleans like loves Lonzo ball. I, I just, I've never gotten that kind of vibe. And the wild card to me is they have Nikhil Alexander Walker and Kyra Lewis, both of whom they love. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. The vibe is just a little strange to me. It's it's gonna pro- it could be one of those Zach where maybe you don't love him, but do we want to lose the asset for nothing? Do we want to match an offer sheet and then in a year now we have him, we can trade him. What's the the that's what comes into account and in these restricted free agency is always really funky. I always say it brings out the worst and everybody everybody gets angry at each other. Um, and, and it's, especially when you don't come to the extension last year, but I thought they were fine this year there. And Lonzo had some, some really good moments this season. Uh, he's a good fit. I think he's a decent fit with Zion. Like if the shooting is real, which it appears to be, he's not a great shooter, but he's now a good one and a a very willing one. Mm -hmm. Um, he's an unusual player, but he, he fits around point Zion in, or whatever Zion is now, uh, rim destroyer Zion, whatever he is. Uh, an absolutely incredible player, by the way, uh, obviously. Um, you mentioned the Knicks flush off a completely unexpected winning season. And not just we squeaked into the win column, like a winning season by several games. Um, lots of young players of varying value, lots of draft picks, including some from the Mavs of varying value um, and cap space. How, how Now they got to this point by – I mean, kind of being patient, kind of spending their way out of mistakes of the past and all that. How how exuberant and aggressive do you think they are going to be? Can they even can they even get anybody? Like if Beal is staying in Washington, we'll get to that. Like, is there even a next guy at this point, or are we still waiting a year or two years for whoever the next disgruntled star is? Yeah, I think they're on the disgruntled star alert. I think they're on the they have draft picks. They've got picks coming still from Dallas. They've got their own. They've got some young players who showed some growth with Tom Thibodeau. That might be appealing to people. It depends what level of a star becomes available and who do you want to cast your chips in if they do. But I think they're in the conversation now, or they have the potential to be in the conversation for as a option for a player who might want out somewhere. And I, and I can't sit here and tell you now, Zach, who that's going to be, if that's going to be. Sometimes that player emerges off of a bad first round exit or a coach has let go that that player connected with doesn't like the new guy. Whatever it is, there are a lot of things that can trigger it. I don't know that there's an obvious one right now, but history tells us someone will emerge because it almost always does. And the Knicks then are, the Knicks are very much on patrol for that. I don't know that it's going to be unrestricted free agency this summer. I don't know if it's, if it's that we, we mentioned like a Dennis Schroeder uh, Lonzo in restricted free agency, but certainly I think they're going to take some, they'll be out there trying to take some big swings uh, in the trade market. I mean, think last summer when, you know, they really wanted at, well, it wasn't summer, it was fall. I always say the summer 
last yeah, off just season. say summer. It's, it's it's the same. It's summer still means off season. You know, Gordon Hayward, who didn't really give the Knicks, the Knicks weren't willing to go as far financially, certainly as Charlotte was. But boy, think of Gordon Hayward. I I don't think any of us thought what happened was going to. Certainly, nobody did. Uh, but they were in there with Gordon Hayward. They tried. Uh, Charlotte was really willing to go with four years and you know 130 million and. Uh, so uh, they're going to be back. Yeah, that, that's the path the Knicks are on right now, and uh, that, that's what we should be watching for in the offseason. Well, one of the someones that has been speculated about without much grounds, I don't think, but his name comes up all the time is in Minnesota. And to your point about the unpredictability of the NBA, the Timberwolves finished this season with great vibes. I mean, they have to be thrilled with how Edwards, Russell, and Towns look together. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for their fans. I hope that works. But but the way Edwards played the last 25 games, Russell finally integrated himself into the starting five. I mean, that they have something you can you can it, discard it as just late season, whatever. But I don't think it was. I think they I'm not, not that they're like a great team ready to contend next year, but the progress they showed to me looked real. And I think for, for a fan base that and they didn't have Malik Beasley during yeah. most of it. Uh, that's something to be encouraged about. All right, I got a wild one for you. Ready? Or one mm-hmm. that's not being talked about too much. Kawhi Leonard. I think Kawhi is staying with the Clippers. I don't think that there's – he hasn't said that uh, publicly. He probably won't till the day he signs his contract. I don't sense – I know there's been some mention of Miami. Could Miami be a sleeper for him? I, I think he's where he wants to be geographically. I think he's liked. I think he's liked. I think he's gotten along very well within the organization, with management, with ownership. Uh, I think Ty Lu has been. I think Ty Lu has really, really been good this year for them. I think he's held the the way it's been described with me with Ty in LA is Ty can Ty can hit you without leaving a bruise. And, Ooh, I like and that. yeah, and and can coach can coach you hard, uh, can hold guys accountable, and I think that's an environment Kawhi likes. I think it's been good for this team. And but listen, things can go sideways when all of a sudden you you get knocked out earlier than you expect. I think we all look at their series with Dallas and we say, like they they should be able to win that series and i'll say this about the clippers i don't think they're being talked about enough in, in, and i mean that everybody's in, hedging on them everyone is just thinking of last year and hedging well right because and they've had another weird year where guys are in and out of the lineup you know abaka just came back at the end beverly just came back at the end um and rondo was a big trade deadline addition that we've seen integrated but not quite as smooth not it's been smooth but not quite as much voluminously as i think they would like but I'm just saying they have the mystery of last season's collapse hanging over their heads, and they always will until they sort of put it to bed. But I just think you look logically at the West. I think it's fair to be a tiny bit skeptical is the wrong word. I'll say curious about whether Utah and Phoenix are as good in the playoffs as they were in the regular season, particularly with Donovan Mitchell having missed the last chunk of the regular season. Yeah, Donovan so, Mitchell's missed a lot of time. The and, Lakers are yeah. recovering from injury, trying to right themselves, trying to get in the playoffs. Jamal Murray is is hurt, and boy, was I close to pulling the trigger on a Denver wins the championship prediction before Jamal Murray got hurt. Like, the logic just points you to this kind of should be the year of the Clippers. It, like, if there was ever a year where the things seem to be aligning, and things are always aligning against the Clippers, but this, like, logic dictates you, and they're just sort of – Churning along in four, happy to be four, lost the last game of the season on purpose, et cetera, et cetera. I just, I, I think with all the play and talk about the Lakers and all the curiosity about the Jazz and the Suns, I, I just think there is and should be an enormous amount of pressure on the Clippers. This is a huge opportunity yeah. for them, and and they they really need to seize it. Yeah, on a lot of levels, I think there's a lot of pressure on Paul George. There's a lot of pressure on management who put the team together. Uh, Ty Lue coming in, replacing Doc. Uh, it's it's just, and like you said, this there's a window here for them to do this. And the Lakers are coming from the bottom of the bracket. Uh, uh, Jamal Murray's out. Uh, Phoenix, I think everybody, 
Phoenix has been an incredible story this season. Chris Paul has been awesome, but people still see a lot of young guys who haven't been in these playoff battles yet and want to see how they react to it and how it looks. So uh, the Clippers, they're not going to be any excuses this year for them. They, they have the opportunity to do this. They're playing well enough. They've been, you know, um, like that one to me is I'm glad they and the Lakers stayed away from each other early. The idea that those two could be, you know, be able to play each other later in the postseason. And, and, and you mentioned Utah with Donovan Mitchell. I think they've got a little mini training camp here, the way it works with six days before your first game, they can get them back and, and playing and, and, and get it, have a first round series. We'll see how taxing that series is based on who they play. Uh, but, uh, to me, still Utah is going to be at home with fans in the arena at altitude, having to go through there is, is, is still going to be tough for anybody. Oh, Utah's Utah's legit. I, I, I don't, I they mean, can play so many different ways. They can play you so many different ways. You want to play big, you want to play small. They're going to defend you, uh, at, at an elite level. They're shooting threes in a way no one has ever done. They can, they can attack you in so many different ways. And, and play opponents. They built such a unique roster, versatile and, and talented and deep. Uh, like you just can't say enough about what they've done with that organization there. But, but Mitchell and Conley, and I think to a greater extent, Mitchell are the answers to what happens when they face a team that just switches everything and all your pick and rolls with Gobert don't force rotations, don't open seams. Everything's pretty, and that's easier said than done. Like Utah knows how to play against switches. They know how to beat switches. They know how to counter them. But Mitchell is the bucket getter and Conley is the other bucket getter one-on-one when the chips are down. But I, I think they're a really good team. And I think the degree to which Gobert has quote unquote could played off the court in the playoffs has been like completely exaggerated. Gobert's been pretty good in the playoffs. He's good. He'll be fine. Uh, last one on the offseason, speaking of the Suns, Chris Paul, sneaky player option for next season. Yeah, so that's an interesting one with a player option, right? You could do an extension off of that option, right? You could have the the, the this year to it's a uh, gigantic number, forty something, right? It's a big 40, one. Yeah, forty something million. You know, you can do an extension off that. You can, uh, you know, you can uh, opt out of it and do another deal. There, there's options there. Uh, the extension obviously would be with Phoenix. It certainly seems to me that. It's hard to imagine him going somewhere else. Phoenix, with the success they've had, with what he's meant to them, that they have to find a way there. I think Chris Paul's loved it. He wanted to be there. And he had to convince Phoenix a little bit that they were ready for him, that they were at a point where bringing him on really could elevate this team. He, he loved the idea of being staying in the West and geographically and he saw that young team. He saw the impact he could make, the young players, and Monty Williams, who, who he knew and, and had history with. Uh, so Chris has proved all that to them. It's a matter of, like, how far is Robert Sarver going to go financially? What does it look like? What are his other options? You know, we, we mentioned New York and looking for a point guard. Obviously, New York's out there. Leon Rose, New York's president, is his former agent. Uh, that you know, that's a, maybe a leverage point for him, uh, but also could be a reality. Uh, but I, I, I think Phoenix, like Robert Sarver, has been dying to have a relevant team again. He has been dying to have an organization that was not considered a laughingstock around the league. He's got that now. Monty Williams and uh, Chris Paul certainly is the leaders, but, but what Devin Booker has met and DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges, uh, I, I – I got to believe they find a way to get a deal. There's, there's too much. There, there's, there's too much there, Zach, um, to lose for everybody by not getting a deal done. I would agree. I would agree. We'll see. As you said, the playoffs can throw everything that we expect about the offseason into some havoc. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to your questions next for the Q&A, but I wanted to remind you first that you can catch every game of the play-in tournament on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app starting tomorrow with Hornets, Pacers, and Wizards, Celtics, the East gets tomorrow, and then the Western Conference playing games on Wednesday are on ESPN. Spurs, Grizzlies, and then Warriors, Lakers. I will be staying up 
on the East Coast for that one, which is rare because I am an old man that likes to go to bed. But I will be up till 1 a.m. if that's what it takes, because that is how exciting that game is. All right. Well, do you want to do some Q&A uh, submitted questions from, yeah. from the listeners? Yeah, there's some good ones. How about we start with this one? Speaking of East Plan, this is from Will in North Carolina. Why did this Celtic season fall apart? He says they're the most frustrating over 500 team in organized sports history, which is, I, I will tell you, the sky is really falling in Boston when you talk to people there. It's, it's like, I didn't really know. I'm not there. I'm not talking to people there every single day. I just kind of thought, man, it's not a great season for the Celtics. That, that question from Will, or that is not a question. It's just a declaration from Will that they're the most frustrating team over 500 in organized sports history is indicative of how that fan base feels. So, like, I have my answer, yeah. but I'm curious, what, what do you think? Well, I'm going to defer to you on this one, Zach. I think it is it is not any one thing. I know it's – people want to put it on Brad Stevens. They want to put it – like, they have suffered significant – a significant talent drain there in recent years. Like, they really miss Gordon Hayward. He was great for them last year. I know he got hurt. Uh, in the you know he got hurt in the bubble and he came back and played two games in the playoffs right and one was pretty good and one wasn't and 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 people remember that he was a highly efficient player for them last year and you know this is a team that I still think their core is the right core Jason Tatum Jalen Brown Brad Stevens you keep building off of those three and you can and and Marcus Marcus Smart and, and I include him because he's just, he's such an important player for them. But I think this is going to be the year to not make, to not make rash judgments off of this COVID season and all the issues that impact the teams to not, to be careful, to not go and, and, and do dramatic overhauls of whether it's leadership or your best players off of this weird thing everybody just went through and trust that you've had a group in place that's had a lot of success, three conference finals in four years with Brad Stevens. Uh, right, right, Zach. So certainly they've got to, uh, the, the talent's got to get better. Kemba Walker, they're so reliant on his health. Uh, he is such for them, you know, a player who, you know, when, when they lost Kyrie Irving, like they went and signed Kemba, they knew there were questions about, everybody knew there were questions physically about him and that that four-year deal, like, like it, it was going to be, there were going to potentially be some challenges. There have been physically for him, but like nobody cares more than Kemba Walker. Nobody is willing to play through pain the way that guy is. No one's a better leader than he is. And so the issue is just like him physically holding up. Um, I think Boston with an off season tune up, you know, getting, I, I think again, trying to get some more talent in there, but to me, not at the expense of their two all-star forwards and not their head coach. Yeah. I, you know, I saw Danny Ainge went on his weekly radio spot and said something about, you know, we're going to make some changes. They might be drastic changes. Um, and I just thought, you know, or it was something like, we'll see how drastic they are. And I thought, I don't know what drastic changes there are to be made. I mean, you're not trading Jalen Brown unless some, some unexpected deal comes about. You're not trading Tatum, period. You're not firing Brad Stevens. So I don't really know sort of what there is to be done in that regard. I just look at this as like the simplest answer is, is the best answer, which is they had a talent drain over years now. Um, uh, Kemba Walker hasn't been himself. Marcus Smart was injured. Jason Tatum got COVID. They traded for Evan Fournier. He instantaneously got COVID. It's just been the season from hell for them. And and they and and when it didn't, they were the talent drain meant that when one of their top four guys was injured or out, they just had too many guys who weren't ready for the roles they were thrust into. And I think they can look and at least say toward the end of this season. Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith look like guys who can contribute to the next really good Celtics team, not in huge roles, but in some role. And I, and, and Robert Williams is, is right there in, in that same category, better than them. Obviously. I, I don't think the sky is falling there. I get why there's that perception. 
the Kemba thing is the real problem, right? If he's just yeah. never going to be the player that he was in Charlotte, the player that they signed consistently, you would see that player for a week, two games, three games. It's just going to be hard for them until that contract cycles through to really build around those two guys. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. All right, let's get to a couple of other questions before we go. I like this one. I have my own answer, so I may self-answer it. The biggest non-COVID, I can't believe this is how we have to phrase questions. Now. <laughs> Do you ever have these moments where you're like looking around and you think, did all of this really happen? Like, is this, if we all actually lived this for, anyway, uh, what, is, every, what is the biggest non-COVID related what if of the season? Do you have an answer for that? I think there's only, I think there's really only one answer. It's Jamal Murray's injury in Denver. I mean, you've written, you, you wrote about it that day. I mean, that piece you wrote the night of the injury. And it's just everything Denver had done was to build. They, they built to this season. They methodically built this organization. Tim Connolly, first Arturis Karnishevis with him. And now um, uh, uh, Calvin Booth certainly his GM and, and, and Mike Malone and what they've done. They, they drafted well, they took some chances, they developed players, they made great trades. And then all of a sudden here they were. And you said, this team could have won the championship. I really think now if they had yeah. drawn the Lakers in the first round, you would, I would have, I would have fretted. I would have fretted. Yeah. But when, like, once they got Aaron Gordon and the fit was and clearly the what trade. they envisioned, I just thought these guys are ready to rock and roll. Their window is wide open. It's yeah. now. And Aaron Gordon came in there and said, guys, like, I am ready to do whatever it is you want me to do. I'm going to be a passer. I'm going to be a defender. You know, we're going to get in the playoffs. You know, you can use me to guard all the great big wing players that are going to be out there in the postseason that you have to go through in the Western Conference. I don't care about scoring. And Aaron Gordon was in the exact right mindset. It was the right trade at the right time. And it just shows you how fragile it is, how lucky you have to be. And Jamal Murray goes down, and it doesn't just impact this year with That's Denver. the thing. It people impacts thought, next year. People thought the reaction was overwrought, including my reaction, where I just thought it makes you think about the fragility of NBA title contention. It's not just this year. It's next year because he's going to miss a lot of next season, and we've seen with other guys with ACL injuries, you don't know how quickly does he become Jamal Murray again. Like, Nikola Jokic is 26. This is – it's now. It's right now, and it's threatening two years of, of an MVP. He's going to win MVP of an MVP's prime. I mean, it is really – every team, every franchise has these moments, and they suck. It's not unique to Denver, but this was a particularly kind of fun team, homegrown, and it just – it was such a gut punch. Yeah, and and again, like, they've just done nothing but played really good basketball since he went down – but there comes a point deeper in the playoffs where that, that they're just going to miss Murray. The ability to have three really high-level offensive players uh, and the way Jokic and Murray played together and the way they played off each other. Um, uh, but, like, nobody wants to play them. Like, they're, danger they're, they're, they're good enough to beat anybody out there. They're probably good enough, uh, probably certainly after the first round, after Portland, you know, it, it becomes even more uh, a more difficult challenge for them, even if they can get past the Blazers. And I and obviously, I mean, people are sympathetic, but the NBA is not a sympathetic world. Pro sports is not a sympathetic world. No yeah, one's better than than us. Yeah, better no than than me. Apologize yeah. for beating the Nuggets in the playoffs if nope. and when they are beaten. Um, everyone is going to suffer their their uh, their down moments. Uh, let's do a couple more. John in Virginia asked an interesting one. That's of the moment. <laughs> Well, having a play-in tournament and flattening the lottery odds just incentivize long-term mediocrity for NBA teams. Hmm. It's a good question. Um, hey, listen, there were there were teams who Oklahoma City did not vote for flattening the lottery odds, 
And that was at a time they were still very, very good. And they were trying to compete for championships. There were some small market teams who still believed the only, the, our, the only way, the only way we have a chance is to get that number one pick or the second pick or third pick. And, and we've got to be in position to be able to do that, not year after year after year, but in a given year. And you've seen OKC, like once they decided that they had just done too much winning this year and the numbers and, and they have just, um, I mean, the last night of the season was, I was waiting for them just to put four guys in the game against the Clippers. <laughs> was I was waiting bad. for, I was waiting for them to, to like check in the 2001, like their 2025 first round pick, check him into the game. Um, he's somewhere in uh, probably Serbia playing um, right now. Hasn't even, it probably isn't. Uh, entered in the draft yet, but uh, the, they won the game. The Clippers, uh, <laughs> the Clippers lost it. They were seemed they both seemed determined to not win that game. But uh, but he's right. And I think listen, tanking still existed this year. Toronto was not trying to make the play in. Uh, Oklahoma City certainly. There came a point where um, like they 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 checked out of the season, and even Detroit. I mean Detroit. You know, like Jeremy Grant would disappear for a few games here and there. Mason Plumlee disappeared. Like Detroit played the kids. Like it's not, it's maybe you don't call that tanking, but they weren't going all out to win games. Yeah. And and I think Detroit, like they played hard. They were yeah, competitive. No it was what they wanted. It's what you want the environment to be. And, and, and it's why they extended Dwayne Casey and they want to continue to keep him there with that group. Um, I, I just think that the league, you know, it goes back you know, a few years, like what Philadelphia did spook the league and they didn't want to see not just another team do it, but having multiple teams doing it. And, and so the play-in was a way, obviously, to try to curb some tanking. It was a way to keep more teams involved in meaningful games later in the season. You look at the other sort of unintended consequences. I think it's it, a lot of teams talked about it jamming up the trade deadline that it was just harder to get deals done because uh, there were fewer sellers. And then the, the sellers that were there were asking so much for players that teams were like, I don't really know if that guy's going to impact us. I'm not mortgaging our future with this young player, that pick, we're not doing a deal that, that it, it allowed teams to say, ah, we're going to hang around and, 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 and try to get in, try to get into uh, the play. And in some teams, Listen, New Orleans didn't tank. They wanted to make the playoffs. They just yeah, weren't they went, good enough. They went to the end to do it. Yeah, Sacramento wants to be in the playoffs. They weren't good enough. They didn't win enough to get Sacramento there. might try to play six guys for a couple minutes here or there to to if to try and sneak out a win down the stretch to make the playoffs. That's how badly they want to make it. Yeah. So, um, I I think it'll be. I don't think it's going anywhere. Certainly, but listen, I think ultimately, and the, the questions about incentivizing mediocrity. There are going to be organizations who are just not committed or are not nearly as committed as they need to be to win in the NBA. And they exist. They've had, they've always existed. And it is based on the kind of ownership you get buying into the league, what kind of owners they bring in and their ability to run good organizations. And so it's incumbent on the NBA when there are ownership changes that they're good ones. And they let people, they, that, that people come in, um, who can it sometimes it takes a while to figure it out. Um, and so we are always going to have teams, and I'm sure it's, I think it's true in any sport. Um, there's there's gonna be owners and organizations that are are okay with just being okay and 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 turning a profit, um, get grabbing their share of revenue sharing, whatever it is, and it's really hard to legislate into the league great commitment to do it the right way. And so, however, the lottery odds are there's going to be a level of, of, um, of competency commitment. That's going to just keep a group of teams probably struggling to get out of their own way and, and join the rest of the league in a competitive world. Yeah. I don't think it incentivizes mediocrity. I don't think mediocrity is really ever incentivized except in the sort of general, can we make a profit way that you describe? I think really you could reframe this question. Does it, does it incentivize teams to try to be pretty good and some of the teams that try to be pretty good will fail and end up being mediocre. Yes. But I think overall it's going to try to, it's going to incentivize teams to try 
to be whatever the best version of themselves that particular year. It's like you said, there's never going to be no tanking. Now the tanking, and no matter where, how you do the lottery odds, there's always a demarcation point somewhere, right? And now it's, can we get into the top three worst records? Can we get it? You know, wherever you put the line, there's going to be tanking to try to get under that line. But I think these are, are largely positive changes and we are going to uh, live the fruits of those changes over the next 72 hours with this play in tournament. Uh, we've used up our time. Woj, thank you for your time. Thank you for everybody who tuned in to listen to us babble. Um, stay safe. Yep. Enjoy the postseason. Enjoy the play. And Woj, you have any parting words? Yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. I'm, it, it's fun to do this with uh, an audience and, and people hanging in there with us. And and we're we're fired up for the postseason. I'm glad we got some great games on ESPN this week. We've got. Uh, uh, a lot coming. So, you know, playoffs, drafts coming, free agency comes on the heels of that, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun to get into some playoff basketball. I think there's going to be, I think this first round and from we get the play in and then the first round, there's some great matchups. What I really want to do. And thanks again, everyone who tuned in it's zoom. It's impersonal. It's not the most fun thing in the world. I can't wait till we can do stuff like this in a crowded bar, yeah. beer in hand where I can say hello to people. Um, in person and thank them for listening to us and all that. But thank everybody who tuned in. Woj, thank you. Thank Enjoy you, Zach. the playoffs, everybody. We'll all see right. you on the other side. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.